Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. On December 25th, 1985, after completing her shift at the hospital in Fayetteville, North Carolina, a woman goes missing. Several days later, her dead body is found in the pond in front of her home. Although there is an overwhelmingly large amount of evidence to point towards homicide, strangely enough, the police will declare her death an accidental drowning. 35 years later, we still do not have a conclusive answer. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Debbie Wolf. Welcome to a midweek, deep, dark, dank, humid basement. Well, they're not going to know it's midweek. Well, by God, we just we told release them. it on the same days. Don't matter. They would, they would never know. Well, now they do, and they <laughs> feel better for it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are actually recording on a Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. Other than our normal Friday, because somebody couldn't make it. I tried to kill myself with a lawnmower. Yeah, that's that's, that's 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 not good. You shouldn't do that. Everything I know about lawnmowers, they should not catch on fire. And your fifteen-year-old child shouldn't be riding it when it does. All right, uh, let's get this party started. Big shout out! We have a <laughs> new patron. Fuck yeah. Mr. Steven Hernandez. Hey man, like it's been um it's been like months now and I've not seen one red dime from this Patreon thing. What are you doing with all that money? Hookers and blow. I mean, <laughs> cuz I know I'm not getting paid for this, but I know we're getting paid. We're it's, getting paid, we just ain't cashed it out. It's weird. Well, 200 of it went from new shit. Well. Okay. Well, we better be going to Crime Con. That's all I'm saying. If they have it, you know the COVID's going to yeah, put a kink I, in everything. I know, I know. All I right. did see yeah, a good so, meme this week about COVID. Oh, yeah? It shows Kermit looking out the window when it's raining. Yeah. It says, I know somewhere someone is taking a shower with a mask on. <laughs> Dumb. Anyway... So we got a new Patreon. Yes, patron. we do, do, do. What did Mr. Hernandez sign up for? The $3 sticker tier. If it's the same Stephen Hernandez that I personally know, he is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and he is not a man to be messed with. He'd choke you to death if you want him to. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we were number 165. In Apple Podcasts in the great land of Mexico. Nice. It's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if you are just tuning in to our podcast, a couple weeks ago we put out our best of and worst of, which we had a lot of good feedback on that. A lot of people were impressed that we would actually 
take the time and talk about our failures. Like people were impressed by that. I was like, I don't understand why there's a shit ton of failures yeah. every week. <laughs> but no, they were like, man, it's, it's good of y'all to reflect and try to get better. So we, we, we definitely recognize when stuff is good and when stuff isn't, but we, we've angered the great state of Arkansas again because we did not pick Billy Jean Phillips in our top five. Neither one of us did. We got a lot of feedback about that. Why was she not in there? It was a great episode. Great episode. The reason why is because I pissed off half the state. <laughs> With an off-the-cuff comment that really wasn't meant to be that insulting. But when we revisited the episode, <laughs> we can see where it was taken. Yeah, it was kind of bad. But again, it's something we're learning from. So I got some hate texts from some people that follow and know that I do it. They were upset with me because I said the Black Eyed Children episode was not very good. And they were like, dude, that one scared me to death. Yeah, I have, I know some people that really didn't enjoy that episode because it scared them. When I, that was from, I didn't get any feedback from the best of, worst of, but when we did that ex, actual episode, I got some feedback about, man, that scares the shit out of me. Like, well, don't open the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and big milestone this past week, we got our 500th Facebook follower. And we have blown up Facebook. And it was our last social media to yeah. get going. Yeah, we've blown up on Facebook. We got our, uh, we're over four hundred followers on Twitter. That's pretty badass, man. It's just, I, I just, I absolutely adore interactions with people that actually listen. It's awesome. Uh, hopefully, the shirts will be in by. Hopefully, shirts will be delivered pretty soon. And again, I got to get on top of some beer glasses, but those things are expensive. I'm trying to find a really good deal, and as at the moment, there's not any there no good deals right now. So, well, if this COVID thing keeps up. I think we're going to do some masks. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. I actually saw some um, uh, Big Lebowski masks. If you've seen the movie Big Lebowski, it's awesome. It's a, one that shaped like the rug from the movie, and it says it really ties the ears together. So freaking funny. So uh, There's another <laughs> one somebody did of Arnold Schwarzenegger when he's losing oxygen on uh, Total Recall. <laughs> Those are pretty good, too. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so what are we drinking? We are drinking something from the great people, my favorite brewery in North Carolina, Lookout Brewing Company. We're drinking their Mountain Hopshine IPA, 7% alcohol, and it is delicious. This is a brewery that I visited when they were just opening, like literally just opening, and they uh, they were fermenting 50 some odd five gallon buckets in their back in the back room i mean they didn't have they had a 10 gallon brew kettle and they just brew and they said they brewed like four times a day just trying to keep that keep the beer rolling i'm sure they have expanded by now but even then they were making really good beer and this beer happens to be delicious so thank you so much lookout brewing with that, <laughs> let's get into the case, man. This is a head scratcher. It is a head scratcher, but it's also a what the fuck are the police thinking situation. And they double down if this is, again, 
an Unsolved Mysteries episode, and you can find it on the YouTube, and hopefully we will remember to post a link to that. No promises. None at all. <laughs> but the police doubled down in the episode. I mean, they... Yeah, that police chief, he was he was pissed. He yeah. was even getting interviewed. You could just tell. Yeah, He's he, like, and that's all I have to say about that. And I can't discuss that no more. And I'm not talking about it. You get the hell out of my face. Or something like that. All right, so Nurse Debbie Wolf vanished after leaving her work at 4 p.m. on December 26, 1985. Oh, December 26th. I said it wrong in the, in the case, in the in the intro. I said December 25th. But consider, yeah, you did. But considering it took me 19 times to get that intro, we're not going back. <laughs> On the previous day, which would have been December 25th, she had celebrated Christmas with her family. When she did not show up, at work the next day, her family became concerned. Her mother, Jenny, I believe it's her stepfather, John, and a friend, Kevin Gorton, went to her home. Now, she lived in a cabin seven miles outside of Fayetteville, roughly 100 yards off the road. So this was a nice cabin tucked back in the woods. And this is just outside of Fayetteville, North Carolina. And... Debbie had a reputation for being extremely neat and meticulous. So when her mother, stepfather, and friend arrive, they found a huge surprise. Well, yeah, I mean, but the what tipped them off is the fact that she did not show up for work, and this was very much unlike Debbie. She didn't miss work. It wasn't like her to not answer the telephone it wasn't like her no show no call no basically. show no call like this very strange so immediately the work is going to alert her her family and they are actually going to travel to try to find her and her mother Jenny would state as she pulled up that she noticed that the car was parked in a different spot than normal which mm-hmm. is nothing out of the ordinary but she's already alarmed that she's well, see I dis- I disagree you think so i think it's very strange because People, every most people are creatures of habit. Right, you park in the same you place. Pa- I park. I literally, if you, I literally park my car in the same spot every single solitary day, at home. Unless someone takes my spot at work, I park in the same exact parking spot at work, and I get angry. Oh, I do too. When somebody <laughs> takes my someone takes space my spot. spot. So yeah, the fact that. Her car is not parked in the spot it usually is, is a huge red flag for me. What I would say is a huge red flag, and so would her mother, is that there were several beer cans scattered around her property. Also, they noticed that her dogs were running around and had not been fed. Well, that that's a huge red flag if your dogs haven't been fed. But I don't even know how do you tell I think that the, way, the dog hasn't been fed. The way the episode made it out was she fed them outside so their dishes were outside uh-huh. but again yeah, but you don't i promise you you're my, in the woods my two knucklehead dogs will act like they have never been fed in their entire life five, five minutes, minutes after, after they've they were been fed, fed. Yeah. the beer cans though that's going to be a big big red flag because a according to her mother that is not a brand of beer that she would have drank i believe it was miller genuine draft if i'm not mistaken i could be so the cans were not a brand of beer that she would have drank. 
which that's a huge red flag, and the fact that they're in her yard. Debbie was a clean freak. She cleaned her house. She cleaned her property. Everything was meticulous. So to me, that's somebody sitting there waiting for her. That's a big red flag for me. But then again, I'm not a police officer, so I don't know exactly what evidence is and what evidence ain't. So Jenny is on pins and needles because of what she has observed pulling into the yard. And so she lets herself into the house and realizes real quick that something is definitely wrong. She, according to the Unsolved Mysteries episode, she states that she found a nursing uniform lying in the kitchen floor. Now, there is a YouTube video that Kaylee Elise did. Which is excellent. She is excellent. She is. She states that that uniform was not found until the next day. Well, I would take, well, I'm going to go ahead and quote the mom on that one because the mom in the episode states that it was found. So let's just assume that it was found right then. Whether it was found then or the next day is not important. What is important is the fact that it is a short-sleeved um, nurse's uniform. Nurse's uniform. And it is December 26th yeah. in Fayetteville. Yeah, and they were... Uh, witnesses at work reported that she was wearing a long sleeve nurse's uniform. And one of her coworkers stated that they had actually spilt coffee on one of yeah. the sleeves. Yeah, at work. And that is not the same outfit they found in the floor. To go along with the fact that it was so cold that the pond in front of her house had been frozen. So, yes, big red flag right there. Mm-hmm. Now, looking around, her friend, Kevin Gordon would find Debbie's purse shoved under the corner of her waterbed. And this is kind of odd because it's in a place where it looks like someone purposely hit it. Oh, yeah. you If if it's in... So you're talking about in between the bladder and the wood? Yeah. I, as I don't a, know any woman that stores their purse there. As a... Uh, Waterbed aficionado? Well, as a redneck that lived that grew up in rural Georgia with a waterbed for about fifteen years of his life. Only thing that gets back the only thing that ends up there by accident is a remote control. That's it. You're not putting a purse back there. That that purse is put there purposely. For what? I don't know. By who? I don't know. But it didn't just end up there by chance. Now, her mother would look around the home and notice that the answering machine had a flashing light that there was a message on it. And this message was a little odd as well. And we're going to go ahead and let you hear it. So three, two, one. Hey, Deb, missed you here at work today. There was also an odd message on Debbie's answering machine recorded earlier that day before Jenny arrived. Been out a lot of days. Make me worry when you miss another one. Just want to make sure you're okay. So that is an extremely odd message because, according to her mother, Jenny, she had A, never heard that man's voice before, and B, as you can hear in the message, he states that she had missed several days of work. She had not missed any days of work and had really only missed a couple of hours. Yeah, at this point, she was late. Yeah. 
that's it. She hadn't even missed a full day yet. But he's going to state, you've missed. Many days of work. Which to me sounds like someone's trying to cover some tracks. Yeah, or throw the cops off. And it may have worked. I think that's the same thing, ain't it? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) So Jenny and Kevin decide to search outside of the cabin. And they walk around the pond. They don't find anything out of the ordinary. Becoming even more concerned, Jenny calls Cumberland County Sheriff's Department and Captain Jack Watts of the Sheriff's Office takes the call. Uh, Captain Watts supposedly was under the assumption that Jenny and Kevin had already searched the pond. Now, yeah, here is the first indication that this is screwy police work because jack is going to be quoted he said i think it was mentioned that they had already looked in the pond who like okay so a mom and a friend mentioned they they looked in the pond or around the pond or at the pond they're still in civilian clothing bone dry how good of a look could they have actually gotten? Yeah, so no official requests for divers were made. Yeah, you're not going to just, I'm sorry, but I don't care how trustworthy I am as a human being. I don't want a police officer to take my word for it. No. <laughs> Do your damn job. Now, bloodhounds were brought in to the cabin, but they couldn't find anything. And then the ca- it was kind of portrayed in everything that I've researched and in the episode that they were the the officer was kind of flippant about, you know, oh, well, y'all have already looked in the cabin. Y'all said y'all looked around. We can't really do anything for 72 hours, so give us a call back. <laughs> and again, it was a different time. It was 1986 or 85. And the time frame for missing persons was gr- much greater than it is now. But again... Kind of odd. So Jenny is not satisfied with Cumberland County's investigative response. Yeah, I believe the words no shit are in order. Yeah. So she decides to hire someone to actually dive the pond. And it is absolutely freezing on January 1st, 1986. Kevin Gorton and his friend Gordon Childress decide to enter the pond and search for any sign of foul play, search for... Debbie herself, or anything that could lead them to her whereabouts. And here's something crazy. Now, this would be something that would, um, to me, investigate, investigating would point a finger at Gordon himself because it's either that or just complete and utter coincidence, dumb fucking luck. Because he's in that water for two minutes. And he comes across, he states in the episode that he bumped into something. Well, no, he finds footprints and a drag mark within two minutes. And then he bumps into something underwater, comes back up, goes back down, and it's her. And so, again, extremely odd. Basically, Debbie's body was found about 30 feet from the bank in roughly five and a half feet of water. Mm -hmm. 
Childress would state that the body was inside what looked like to be a burn barrel. And for those of you that don't know what that is, in the South, we take old 55-gallon drums and we cut the top off of them and we burn trash in it if you weigh out the sticks. Well, he he also states that it's a burn barrel. It feels like a barrel that has a lot of holes in it, which is going to match the description of a barrel on Debbie's property that happens to be missing that they used for target practice. Debbie's mom would state that when she is told of the drum, it dawns on her that she didn't see it the day that she went looking for it. Yeah, and she goes back and tries to find the barrel, and she she can't find it. It's gone. But... No, I'm saying it's gone from the spot that it was in. Right, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It is... The, the impression of where it was sitting is still there, so yeah. she knows that that barrel is missing. Yes. And that would explain the drag mark. Right. That would explain... Well, the drag mark. <laughs> well, and there's two things with that, with Gordon coming across it. It had been stated, and take it for what it's worth, it's on Web Sleuths and both, or and Reddit, but supposedly according to Cumberland County, that pond has moss on the bottom. But according to Gordon, it is a silt bottom that he could see footprint impressions and drag marks mm-hmm. so somebody's wrong mm. but yeah there, there is going to state that it's going to take them several like minutes to get the, the 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 silt and all the dirt and debris out of their suits yes it took them because quite a while so um silty <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't I guess. Saw you searching there. But, I thought I'd yeah, help you out. Yeah, silty. Let's do that. <laughs> so soon after they discover the body, they alert uh, Cumberland County Sheriff Department, and they came to the scene and pulled Debbie out of the water. And mm-hmm. it, it is, unfortunately, Debbie Wolf. Now, the autopsy on Debbie was performed by Dr. William Oliver on January 2nd, 1986. He worked for the North Carolina Medical Examiner's Office. Crazy enough, the manner of death was reported as undetermined. Mm -hmm. But if you find a body in a barrel in a pond Mm -hmm. that, according to just evidence on on the surface, had been in there for roughly seven days, you would expect that body to have succumb to drowning Mm -hmm. but he states that he could not find nothing but a tablespoon of water in her lungs and there was no frothy foam in her lungs indicating a death by drowning although everything you said about her is correct about the no the water no water in the lungs none of that i have in my research i found a report that stated that the coroner concluded that she did drown that's on the, the coroner's report, even though it's pretty fucking clear that she didn't. That's part of the reason why this, the police work. So it's called into question about maybe a cover-up is because of this conclusion. I mean, she had no alcohol, no drugs in her system, which, what about the beer? It doesn't explain the beer cans then. And there's less than a tablespoon of water in her lungs, yet I have a report that says the coroner concluded that she drowned. And it is stated that way on the Unsolved Mysteries wiki page as well as the fandom page. And the the 
Unsolved Mysteries segment as well. Yes. And I'm sorry, but I'm just going to believe them because Robert Stack would never lie to me. Ever. But <laughs> Kevin Gordon is going to say that he does not believe Debbie drowned. He's going to say, and I quote, a typical corner drowning would be eyes open, mouth open, hands and arms in a very clawed state, you know, just a fight for life type situation, which was quite on the contrary to what Debbie was. The eyes were closed. The mouth was closed. The arms were in a relaxed state. Just her whole body was relaxed. She looked like she was asleep. She's also supposedly been in the water for seven days. And I know it's cold, but she's not bloated. She's not got skin slippage. She doesn't have slippage. She is not decomposed at all. She truly does look asleep. It would give every indication that she has not been in that water very long. No. But, like we said, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. What we said earlier about the two divers, they claimed that they were completely covered in silt and they had to clean out their, their suits for minutes and minutes and minutes. Or hours, for that matter. But Debbie... Doesn't have relatively any. clean. She does not have any silt on her. And if you are a super fan, you will know that we did a case in Arkansas, hmm. and there was a body that had silt on it, and they don't know if she was ever in the water. Well, another odd situation that should have been red flags for investigators is the fact that clues found in the cabin, outside of the cabin... And like you stated, on her body, should have told them that they were dealing with a suspicious death. And they should have proceeded as a murder. But for whatever reason, Captain Jack, he's going to say that, oh, she was just playing with her dogs and she slipped and fell. And she drowned. But you say to yourself, self. She was was found 30 feet from the bank. And she was also found inside a barrel. Yes. A barrel that is missing off the property. There is a indention in the ground where that barrel used to sit. Now it's no longer there. Well, Debbie's mom is going to say, and quote, I asked one of the friends who was there. I said, what happened? Do they have the barrel? And they said, no. They decided to leave it there and they'll get it in the morning. The next day they went back to get the barrel and they said the barrel was gone. All of a sudden... The barrel did not exist. The same barrel that had been there the night before. And police are going to say that it never existed in the first place. They are going to double down and state that Kevin Gordon and Gordon Childers, both who have rescue diving experience, were mistaken. And what they witnessed was her jacket that had ballooned out. Which, you know, I mean... Puffy jacket, metal barrel, complete same texture. Yeah. Complete same look. And you could have holes in that jacket. I mean. Yeah. I mean. The divers knew that there was a metal barrel with holes in it. It is definitely proven that there was a barrel with with holes holes in it. Missing. Missing from her property. But it's just a jacket. But it's just a puffed up jacket. Yeah. Well, another thing that should have clued the medical examiner into they were not dealing with your run-of-the-mill accident, is the fact that she had abrasions on her fingers, which could have been defensive wounds. But, again, what do we know? Um, Gordon Childress, 
when it, when asked about the barrel, he's going to state that there's absolutely positively no doubt in his mind. He is 100% certain that her body was found in an old burn barrel. And he says, you know, metal, rusted, 55-gallon drum, that's what her body was in. He is going to completely deny that it was a jacket, a puffed-up jacket, which, to me, I don't know much about police work. But come on. That's you, a huge... That's a huge difference. A puffy jacket filled I could with see, water? I could see them saying it wasn't a barrel, it was a trash can. Yeah. But, but a I, jacket and a metal yeah, barrel. the jacket... A steel metal barrel! That would completely negate the drag mark. Where'd the drag mark come from that they found while diving? You know what this could have cleared... You know, you know how this could have been cleared up? Take if, the fucking barrel when you found it. Well, no. <laughs> if... The people fucking diving were actually law enforcement agents and a law enforcement agency rather than just some people that decided to dive because no one else would. Yeah, that the mother had to go out of her way to ask them to go look for her, look in the pond. Now, I will backtrack a little bit because, you know, we're big on making sure we get things right around here. I had stated that there was only a half a tablespoon of water found in her lungs. That is incorrect. It was a half a teaspoon. Oh, shoot. So that's even one-sixth of a tablespoon. Yeah. Wow, that is not a lot of water. No. That's that's enough water to just cough up. You won't, you won't drown in that. You... That would be enough just to state that she expired on land and your body releases fluids in the lungs. Water happened just seep in there. Right, yeah. I mean, so, but anyway... I digress. <laughs> you digest? Uh, no, I'm actually starving. Well, I don't have any food for you, brother. I'm sorry. Appreciate it. Well, <laughs> anyways. Cumberland County Sheriff's Office disagreed with everyone's murder theory and proposed their own theory. Mm. And they state, and I quote, possibly Mrs. Wolf was playing with her two dogs. She fell in the pond. Or maybe she was trying to save one of her dogs that walked into the pond. And became frightened and disoriented in the water. Mm-hmm. Ended up in a barrel. Just happened to fall in a barrel. Uh, detectives proposed that Debbie may have succumbed to immersion syndrome, which is also referred to as immersion foot or trench foot. And it is a non-freezing peripheral cold injury caused by prolonged or repetitive exposure to damp cold temperatures. Yeah, it's World War One, man. The extremity first becomes cold, numb, pale and clammy this is followed by blistering don't google it however the autopsy findings did not find a single symptom related to immersion syndrome on her foot or her legs so since sheriff's detectives denied that debbie's body had been found in a barrel they proposed a theory about the barrel And, quote, like Coach said, what appeared to be a barrel to some of the divers could have been Debbie's jacket, which would have ballooned out as she was lying at the angle that she was found at the bottom of the pond. Likely story. Well, now, Jenny would go on to state that she remembered that that barrel also held firewood. And like we stated, she knew that it was a heavy metal barrel because it had left an indention in the soil where it had been sta- or sitting. Now, two months after her death, Jenny would receive 
from the medical examiner's office what is told by them and on the box as the clothing that Debbie was wearing at the time she was found. But in another twist of odd circumstances and police buffoonery, if Debbie was truly found with these clothes on. She was found with, and we will go item by item. Yeah, they ain't hers. She was found with brown corduroy pants that were way too big, way too long, and they were unzipped. Mm-hmm. Her bra cup size was three sizes too large, and her around size was two sizes too large. Basically, Debbie was found wearing a size 38C bra, and she actually wore a size 34B. The Nike tennis shoes were three sizes too large, and they were in a men's shoe size. Mm -hmm. That size was a men's size 6, and Debbie wore a ladies size 7. When Debbie was found, she had on a new regulation army field jacket that did not belong to Debbie or anyone associated with her. Mm -hmm. The jacket had no name tag and no way to trace its original owner. Now, Debbie did own a military uh, field jacket that her brother had given her. The one she was found with owned, supposedly, was a a men's size small. Her brother's was a size large, and it was still hanging in her closet. She was also found wearing a black T-shirt with Pittsburgh Steelers logo on the front. Both Debbie's family and her boyfriend could not identify the shirt, claiming they had no idea where it came from. This, along with a plethora (laughs) of unanswered (laughs) questions from the autopsy, made Debbie's friends and family feel certain she was met with foul play. Um, I would be inclined to go, uh... Yeah. Uh, duh. Duh. A family friend, Mr. Franz Schoff, who had gone to the cabin to feed Debbie's dogs, found Debbie's wool stocking cap in the mud at the opposite end of the pond from the location where she was thought to have entered the water and where the supposed drag marks were at. The family thought this was odd because there was a thin layer of ice on the pond and it was unlikely that the cap could have floated to the other side of the pond. Debbie's mother also found it odd that when the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigations returned the white Nike tennis shoes to her, they had no mud on them. She inquired to the Bureau of Investigations, and they insisted that they had not washed or cleaned the shoes, and they were in the same state as when they removed them from her body. This also would discount the immersion syndrome theory. Now, detectives would later claim that they investigated several patients with mental problems from the veterans' hospital in which Debbie worked, including a man, or the man, who left the voicemail message. Soon after being interviewed by sheriff's detectives, that man in question left the state of North Carolina. Now, his name has never been released, so we don't know if he's still alive or where he went to. I mean, can you really trust that they really investigated him? No. Well, they also... I certainly don't. Debbie's mother would also state that she had been the, I don't want to say victim, but receiver of many advances by both the man that left the voicemail message and another volunteer at the hospital wanting to date her. 
one of the men, she just kind of blew off. Sorry, I've got a boyfriend. And he kind of took the hint. The other one would go even further and continue to hound her. And so bad that she would make mention to it or mention of it to her mother and her boyfriend. Supposedly, and I cannot find the actual medical examiner's report, but Dr. Goodwin, or I'm sorry, Dr. Godwin stated that semen was found present in the victim. But along the lines of shoddy police work and this doesn't go to disprove a cover-up, they somehow lost the swab. Now, granted, DNA profiling was not available in 1985, but doesn't mean that they shouldn't have kept the evidence. Yeah, most people would um, keep the evidence. Yeah. But, again. Now, supposedly, Dr. Maurice Godwin is continuing to investigate this case, and hopefully he states that he can find some closure. Now, unfortunately, uh, Debbie's mother, Mrs. Jenny Edwards, worked extremely tirelessly for over 20 years to find her daughter's killer and find some answers to this mystery, but she passed in 2005. So sad, man. Yeah, she did not get any answers to what she truly believed was a murder, and, I mean, come on. I just don't I just don't understand the the police on this. How do you how do you come to that conclusion? Well, my thing is not only All right, if you're going to come to that conclusion, have evidence to back it up. Yeah, not a mountain of evidence to go the other way. Like and don't be so damn prideful that you're not willing to solve it any way you can. I don't know. I mean, everything I've ever read or watched about police work is you let the evidence lead you to the conclusion. You don't go into it with a conclusion and dismiss evidence to the contrary. So, theory time. We've kind of just shot the whole she wandered into the pond theory to hell and back. I mean, you would think so. And if you are familiar with this, case and you believe that theory please let's have a friendly discussion not as ron white says to end the discussion by saying oh really well <laughs> fuck you <laughs> great way to end the debate though <laughs> all right so theory number one the guy that left the voicemail message is the murderer slash has something to do with this case. Well, I'm going to say that the man on the answer machine definitely has something to do with this. He has some answers, that's for sure. Well, I don't understand how you just clear this guy for the fact that he's, you know, say, hey, Debbie, you missed a few days of work. No, she didn't. She missed a couple of hours that day. You would have to have some pretty strong answers to why you were that mistaken, if you ask me. But theory number 1B, the other volunteer 
who is a little more forceful in his advances towards Debbie, conspired with the man that left the voicemail, and they both had something to do with it. I lean towards maybe it not being the two of them, but I lean towards it may have taken two of them to put her in that barrel and drag her into that pond. Yeah. Now, along that, those two theories is the fact that the state of the body when she was found. People online have stated and theorized that they feel like since she was redressed in clothes that were not hers, her uniform was found in the house and her purse was hid in the corner of her bed, that she was actually taken from her home somewhere else. God knows what they did to her. Ultimately, she passed. They came back to the property after her mother was there. The initial search of the cabin that evening and placed her in the barrel in the pond. Well, it's going to be, you know, the, the two divers are going to, st- the, the diver in the water is going to state that he found two sets of tracks and a drag mark. So clearly, if that is accurate, there's more than one person involved in this murder. I think that is a very, very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Obvious. <laughs> it's very obvious that there would be more than one because, I mean, honestly, who's strong enough to drag a 55-gallon barrel with a body in it? I've only witnessed one man that I've ever seen on the hoof strong enough, and he picked it up like it was a gallon of milk. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe he lived in Fayetteville. <laughs> so those are the prevalent theories. Now we get to, unfortunately... Well, are we going to talk about the theory that she drowned by accident, or are we just going to just say that that is complete and utter horseshit? I kind of said that in not so many terms at the beginning, but yeah, <laughs> I believe that's horseshit myself. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go back on that one a little bit, because here's what pisses me off about this whole thing is that they're saying that one of her dogs got into the pond. Now, she's right at five foot. Mm-hmm. Five foot deep, not five foot out. No, no, no. She her height oh, is her about height. approximately okay. five foot. All right. If for some reason she did make it to the area that was five and a half feet mm-hmm. deep to rescue a dog, the dog would have started to try to come towards her. I just don't see her. I don't know. It's plausible, but again, she would have to have drowned there and fell into a barrel that someone placed in there. I just that right there throws a hole in it for me. And then there was either on the unsolved mysteries or the YouTube video from Miss Lease. It states that she had gotten into the water to rescue her dog close to shore. She got she slipped, fell. Basically, the shock of the cold water disoriented her, and instead of walking towards the shore, she walked further into the pond and ultimately drowned. But that doesn't take into consideration how the hell she got into the steel metal drum that just so happened to mysteriously find its way from her yard 
into the pond. So, with that said, we get into our theories. I mean, well, before we talk about our theories, let's let's talk about um, some unanswered questions. For example, what the fuck happened to that barrel? So the barrel comes up missing. If there was a barrel indeed, which I believe there was, the barrel comes up missing. A, who took it? B, where did it go? And this led and her. How did they get? How did they? How were they able to take it without being detected or seen or anything? Was it the cops themselves that took it? And that's one of the theories posed out there in the nether worlds of the internet is that they lean towards if it's not a conspiracy by the sheriff's department, it is someone associated with the sheriff's department or associated with the VA hospital, knowing that there would be no one at that cabin after they pulled her body from it so they could retrieve the barrel and then dispose of it Mm -hmm. because they knew no one would be there. Mm -hmm. That also points another finger back at one of the divers. And I'm not saying that he did it at all, but it is strange. Well, if the diver, it'd be the other guy because if the, the, if the man that found the barrel was involved, why would he say that there was a barrel? You know what I'm saying? Why? What, what motivation would he have? Well, it's that old thing to, about where the killer wants someone with them when they mysteriously find the murder weapon or they find the body. Well, I, I understand that, but still, why? If I don't know that. I mean, murder doesn't make sense at all anyway. So what, why? Why would it be confusing if they did that? So, this also I'll take that as a maybe. This also ties into like in the West Memphis Three case how they found that knife. The divers were in the water less than 30 minutes and just happened to go right off the dock where the knife was found. Mm -hmm. It's really, really interesting how quickly the body in the barrel was found. Two, I mean, two minutes he's finding footprints and drag marks. I would like to know how big the pond is too. I mean, is it one of those ponds where it is like waist deep? And there's only a little bitty area where it would be deep like, enough. You're to, talking like a cattle pond. Yeah, where, just where it would a, be deep enough to hide something. Yeah, that's a good question. But again, because the simple fact it took two minutes to find her. If you knew the pond only had roughly a thirty foot circle in the middle that was five and a half feet deep, and you kind of looked around and couldn't see anything from the shore, I could see that may have been how they quickly went out to the deepest part. But we don't know. Yeah. Another thing that I want to know is, where the hell did the clothes come from? Wow. Where is her actual uniform? That's another question. Where's the coffee-stained uniform? I, I don't know. That's a great question. What, and it's not where, like where, she's just going to wear a bra that's three sizes too large and two sizes too big around. Yeah, where did those clothes come from? Where the clothes she was wearing? Why was the clothes in the floor? Why was the purse stuffed under the bed? Why is there no silt on the body? Why is the shoes not muddy? Well, I mean... This is a monumentally large amount of evidence to point towards foul play. And I cannot fathom how on earth these police officers came to a conclusion of accidental drowning unless they were corrupt. It's hard to be ignorant and stupid. 
But oh yeah, but <laughs> they are both. I would believe that if we had a wall of shame, Captain Jack's up there. Yeah, and but here's the thing. Here's my question. Well, if you're corrupt, why go on? Why would you go on uh, unsolved mysteries? Yeah, just if you say did no this comment. On purpose. If you were involved in the cover up, why go on there and make yourself look foolish? Because he does. He definitely looks foolish on there. He looks pissed off like this is a waste of his time. Yeah. Why even go out there? But if you're ignorant. And stupid. <laughs> and stupid to be as confident as he sounded on there. He was, you're right. He was pissed. He was annoyed at the fact he was there. And he didn't, he didn't want to answer any questions because by God, he was right. Even though everybody watching the damn show is like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Do your damn job. Yeah. But. And y'all know as well as we do. <laughs> we love good police work. We are not afraid to call out a dumbass. We'll tell you either way. If, you, if you've listened for a while now, you'll know when good police work, bad police work, we're very quick to. To heap praise or throw tomatoes. Yeah, man. This is definitely a tomato case because. This just don't make any sense. No, it doesn't. The purse alone, the the where the purse is found is definitely something that I would, I couldn't, I would never rule out foul play. Just, just the fact that the purse was stuffed in there. I'll go even one further. You could rule out the vaginal swab that the medical examiner stated had sperm on it, and that's real. That's a good way to check. That is, ask the boyfriend. When was the last time you were intimate with her? Yeah. If it wasn't two days ago or less, she didn't put it up there by herself. All right. And then the DNA thing is, I saw a lot of people on Reddit stating, well, you know, DNA wasn't available in 85. Well, no shit, it wasn't available in 85. But guess what? People still kept DNA evidence. Look at the Golden State Killer. They had a ton of evidence that they had kept, and that's how they started doing the DNA profile to ultimately catch him. Yep, absolutely. And that's a big piece of shit right there. But anyway. Yeah, he was a serial killer. And a serial rapist. I and that, the, I think that goes with the territory. I think... I think big the, piece of shit goes with those yeah, two. I think the word serial killer and piece of shit pretty much mean the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just saying. So what's your take on it? Oh, she was murdered. Yeah, hands down. She was murdered. And... I believe the person on the answer machine murdered her. Culpable. And I believe that... He had help. Either he had help, the man on the answer machine committed the murder, and either he had help from law enforcement, or he just happened to live in the town with the dumbest fucking police officers on the, in the world. Or C, he was friends with one of the police officers and knew the workings of the case. Maybe. But still, even if you know the workings of the case, you can't really manipulate what the police are going to find. True. But maybe he was friends with them and just knew how stupid they were. True. I mean, this is just... Uh, this. Cases like this piss us off because at the time this happened, they could have, I feel like, either ruled out or definitely hounded in on a theory that 
circled around murder. Yeah, and another frustrating aspect of this case, it's been so long, it's been 35 years, man. We're not getting this case solved. No, unfortunately, we will not. Almost know. everyone involved is gone. Surely. If not elderly. And if Unsolved Mysteries couldn't get it solved, we ain't getting it solved. Barring a deathbed confession, we will never know. Yeah, that's that's about the only option we have that are at this point. And I don't, I don't hold my breath about it. It's just not going to happen. No, I don't either. Recommendations? Well, you didn't give your theory. I agree wholeheartedly with yours. <laughs> this is not a poll situation. She was murdered, coach. <laughs> I mean, hands down, the lady met with foul play. The only thing I would say is I like the theory where I'm going to call them dumb and dumber because we don't know their names. They knew each other from the VA. They both volunteered there. Mm-hmm. And maybe they got one did it and the other one helped. Or I don't know. I mean, I just don't understand well, the said, whole. Well, they said they identified the man on the in, on the answer machine and questioned him and cleared him. Maybe they didn't get the right guy. True. Maybe it wasn't him on the answer machine. I didn't think about that, but that's true. Maybe it was just another person. She's being stalked. She she already rebuffed several people's advances. You just never know who this is going to be. And back then in the in the mid eighties, it was looked at as well. What did the woman do? How did she dress? What did she say? How it is now, too, buddy. Yeah, but it was worse back then, man. You could get six months for a rape. I was four. You're an asshole. (laughs) You was a sophomore in high school. I was four years old. Nice try, dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) I was already shaving. (laughs) I was joking. So my recommendation for this week is watch Kaylee Elise's YouTube video. And we will and the and the unsolved mysteries episode. Yes, always got to give them some credit, some props, man. Love unsolved mysteries. And if this case interests you, then dive into it on Reddit, unsolved dot com, and Web Sleuths. Your recommendations, coach. Well, I'm actually going to recommend two podcasts. Two, 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 because I found them both this week, and I find them both amazing. Uh, one is very professionally made. It's called Zack to the Future. It is a podcast about Saved by the Bell with Zach Morris himself, Mark Paul Gossler, and the gentleman from Funny or Die that does the Zach Morris's Trash uh, series, which if you have never seen those videos, get on YouTube and look up Zach Morris's Trash, because guess what? Zach Morris's Trash. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's a brand new podcast. They're doing episodes on um on each individual episode of Saved by the Bell in order. Oh yeah. yeah. Starting from the second season, because the first season was called Um uh, Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Right. So they just skipped that bullshit. <laughs> God dang. Uh that's some old school. Anyway, also uh, going to the very opposite end of the spectrum from a professionally uh, made podcast to a non-professionally made podcast. I find I'm very prideful in my interests. I love when something crosses my path that is very specific to an interest of mine. But when it's two interests that coincide, 
It's amazing. And so with that, I'm going to recommend the Beard Owl Podcast. B-E-E-R apostrophe D, Owl Podcast. is a brother and sister who love craft beer and Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> and they, they do episodes where they share beer and they talk about a single Weird Al song. It's crazy. If you've listened to our first episodes, it's kind of like that. They got some... They got room for improvement. They got some kinks to work out in the audio thing, but it's hilarious. I sent them a Twitter message, and I was like, I said, man, I'm going to give y'all a shout-out because y'all are one niche market, and buddy, am I in it. Like, <laughs> there's a tiny amount of people that are going to enjoy this podcast, and I am one of them. So if you happen to love Weird Al Yankovic and love craft beer, look them up. But, you know, I went and saw Weird Al in Chattanooga a few years back, and let me tell you something, brother. And I have to say me included, but everybody you think you would a Weird Al fan would look like. They were there. They were there. <laughs> like, picture in your head. Who would be there? Weird Al's biggest fans, and I promise you that's what they look like. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, the check out. So it's a uh, Zach to the Future professional, Weird Al, not. But both pretty dang entertaining. Good recommendations. Yeah, man. Anything else? Uh, no. Uh, if you if you if you enjoy our podcast, please give us a five star rating. Follow us on our various social medias, and uh, give us money on Patreon. And be looking out for your shirts if you've ordered one, and be looking out for beer glasses to be ordered in the future. Also, if you have not noticed, we updated our social media pages and we put our link tree on there so you can find us email us direct messages we love interacting with our fans please hit us up let us know anything constructive criticism things like that but i guess it's time to deuces <laughs> <laughs>